she saw him leave that morning, but he didn't come back that afternoon. He didn't show up that night. Nobody heard from him. The teen's body was found in a rolled up gym mat in a high school in 2013. His death ruled accidental. Say my name and remember what you've done. Your hurricane has blackened out the sun. You can't continue to kill unarmed black people and get away with it. But if Kendrick did die of an accident, how, with all that distrust, how could you even ever show that? But then on the flip side, is they didn't treat it like it, it could have been a homicide. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk announced officials were reopening the investigation. Only angle is to find justice for my son. You are currently listening to Ashes to Ash TV, Season 3, The Kendrick Johnson Investigation. Episode 26, Results. You can just tell death had come through our family and it just settled. Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez requested not to see me ahead of time because I might have caused some anxiety, so I made sure I wasn't down there when he came in. But now I'm kind of like, what is going on? It's been 48 minutes and we still haven't heard anything. And from what the lie detector guy said, he only asks one question, so I don't understand. But I guess we'll just keep waiting. They just text ready for you in one minute, so I'm just gonna go down and talk to them. So one thing I did before the actual lie detector test is I sat down with Andrew Goldstein, who was the gentleman who would be administering the lie detector test. The website is thepolygraphexaminer.com. So everything looked really legit already on the website. When Andrew, the lie detector analysis technician, came to the hotel, he let me know he was there. And as soon as he arrived, I went down so that I could chat with him and let him know what our team was hoping to accomplish with this lie detector test. He took the time to go over the entire test with me to explain how it worked. And then we sat down and really boiled down what my team was trying to figure out what was true or false. And so we discussed that and those goals. Overall, I found Andrew to be respectful, kind, professional, and I really kind of got this impression that he cared deeply for the truth. And I believe that care for the truth is really why he works with so many law enforcement agencies and corporations that hire him time and time again to perform lie detector tests. His lie detector kit included all the tools necessary for the lie detector analysis, but one thing I thought was really cool is it also included a chair, and that chair helped gauge too if someone was trying to fool the test. This chair was kind of like a really unique design. You kind of slid your arms down into it and your legs down into it, so it would kind of cover three-fourths of your arms. So you, it kind of had some pressure on your arms, so I'm guessing so it could feel if you're moving or squirming or somehow trying to deceive the test. For obvious reasons, Andrew let me know that we weren't allowed to film the lie detector test, which I respect. I want the results to come back fair and accurately, and I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. At this point, I did trust Andrew to do the lie detector test correctly and honorably. Also, here's Andrew's bio. I just want you to see the same information I was given and why I felt so confident that he was a skilled and experienced lie detector analysis technician. Andrew Goldstein, LCPE, www.thepolygraphexaminer.com. I have worked as a private contracted, multi-state licensed polygraph examiner after graduating from the International Academy of Polygraph, Forensic Psychophysiology, using polygraph science and methodology. I have taken a tremendous amount of continuing education classes in states throughout the Southeast, 
including classes to be able to polygraph post-convicted sex offenders for federal and state probation and parole. I have conducted polygraph examinations for issues including, but not limited to, rape, robbery, murder, arson, molestation, narcotics, bribery, state medical review boards, infidelity, assault, forgery, and pre-employment for police, fire departments, and the armored car industry. I've worked for national news outlets such as CNN and NBC. I've worked for the Federal Defender's Office, for and against the military, attorneys, police departments, private individuals, and businesses. I've utilized polygraph to prove the innocence or verify truthfulness of suspects. When needed and or instructed, I have interviewed and interrogated examinees using polygraph equipment and standard approved techniques. I am licensed by the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division and the North Carolina Private Protective Services Board. I'm a member of the North Carolina and South Carolina Polygraph Associations, American Polygraph Association, and have served on the board of the North Carolina Polygraph Association multiple times, and have led the opportunity to lead a training class for the North Carolina Polygraph Association. I have extensive experience in administering a polygraph examination, with vast knowledge of polygraph chart analysis and interpretation using the physiological aspect of polygraph. I've quality reviewed polygraph charts for private and police polygraph examiners across the country. When conducting a polygraph examination, I utilize an actual polygraph chair with multiple motion sensors, which document physical countermeasures when being applied. All of my polygraph examinations are strictly confidential. So one thing I wanted to do while I was waiting for the results is to see how accurate lie detector tests were. So is what I did at that point was took a minute to kind of Google it and do a little bit of research just so I'd feel confident in whatever the results were. So one of the first articles I found was from Psychology Today. So I found that to be a pretty reputable magazine. So I thought they could give us some insight into some credible facts about how well a lie detector works. So kind of what they were trying to gauge in this article is, does the polygraph work? Are the results accurate? There was a few things I thought were really interesting in this article. I won't read the whole thing to you. The first one is, typically when somebody is lying, a well-trained polygraph examiner can tell. It is not 100% accurate though. That's one thing we're really making sure we did was got a very well-trained and highly experienced lie detector analysis technician. And the reason for that is everything I've read really seems to say it's based on the experience and tenure of the actual lie detector analyst. And the more experience and education they have on what they're doing, the better the results are. That was one box I was really grateful that we checked off as I did have a lot of faith in Andrew and his work. I went down and read more of the Psychology Today article, I also came across this. They estimate the accuracy of a polygraph to be 87%. That is, in 87 out of 100 cases, the polygraph can accurately determine if someone is lying or telling the truth. It's not the best news, you know, you wish things were 100% accurate, but I do feel like Andrew's gonna be able to tell us if this statement was true or not. So I still felt pretty confident about what was going on at that point. So then this last part, it said, in 2003, this large team of notable scientists came to the conclusion that the polygraph was far less than accurate than the polygraph examiner had claimed. Some scientists have claimed that the accuracy may be closer to 75%. This lackluster performance is the reason why polygraphs are not used as evidence in criminal trials. They just can't be trusted. That kind of made me a little more nervous. I mean, 25% of the time, it was already bad when it was 13% of the time. Now this article saying 25% of the time, it can be inaccurate. So that's making me a little nervous, but currently I'm still going to go into this, hoping that it gives us valid information and trying to trust Andrew's process. 
So then I found this other article from APM Reports, which is the American Polygraph Association. Obviously, they might be a little biased because it's the Polygraph Association, but I thought I would still read what they had to say about the accuracy of lie detectors. So in this article, I thought this was pretty interesting. The American Polygraph Association, which sets standards for testing, says the polygraphs are highly accurate, citing an accuracy rate above 90% when done properly. Critics, however, say the tests are correct only 70% of the time. But one thing I love, again, that it says is citing an accuracy above 90% when done properly. We tried to take out any barrier that could lead to these results being inaccurate. So we really got a quality lie detector analyst, and I feel like we set this up properly so that we can have a better gauge that this is true or false, depending on what the lie detector says. So then this article goes on to say, it's difficult to definitively assess how well lie detectors work because there are many definitions of deception and many ways of measuring the results, including those deemed inconclusive. But a skeptical 2003 report from the National Academy of Sciences found that polygraphs work at rates well above chance though far below perfection. Almost a century of research in scientific psychology and physiology provides little basis for the experimentation that a polygraph test can have an extremely high accuracy. The report said, nonetheless, the tests are currently used by law enforcement in criminal investigations by federal agencies to screen potential employees and by probation officers to supervise sex offenders. So that's interesting. In this article, they're saying they're still widely used. It doesn't sound like they can be maybe used in a court of law, but they still are widely used and trusted by a lot of the big agencies. So I think that's really interesting and something we have to take into account when we hear these results. And then the article goes on to cite some people who outsmarted the lie detector test results. Guilty people in notorious cases have passed the test. They include Gary Ridgway, known as the Green River Killer, and the Russian mole, Aldrich Ames who used so-called countermeasures to beat polygraphs twice in the 1980s and early 1990s. Ames recipe for success, get a good night's sleep and be nice to the polygraph examiner. Conversely, innocent people have failed the polygraph, like Bill Wiggerly, who was suspected of killing his wife in 1986 until DNA evidence traced the murderer to BTK killer Dennis Rader. I think overall, however, no matter how this lie detector results come out, I really want to be able to trust these results and look at it from that point of view. So I think no matter what the answer is here, we have to take that at face value and see what it means and compare it to the evidence. I wanted to know if the statement Ryan Anthony had gave to the Johnson's lawyer in 2016 was accurate or not. Meaning, did Ryan Anthony actually hear Brandon Bell talk about the murder of Kendrick Johnson? After sitting and speaking to Andrew, Ryan had arrived at the hotel, so I scooted out so I wouldn't run into Ryan in the hallway. So after I left, Ryan and Andrew sat down and they went through the statement that was going to be asked of Ryan Anthony so that we could see what was true or false. And here's the statement that we all agreed we'd base the test off of. Statement, I, Ryan Domek Hernandez, in conjunction with my polygraph here today, I am here to prove the following statement is truthful. In approximately 2016, while I was doing a delivery from Florida to Georgia, I ran out of cash, called Brandon Bell, whom was willing to give money for gas. At this time, I drove to Brandon Bell's girlfriend's apartment in Jacksonville, Florida. I arrived at Brandon Bell's girlfriend's apartment at approximately 2.30 a.m. I drove with Brandon Bell to his ATM. He gave me $20. We went back to Brandon Bell's girlfriend's apartment. We smoked a bong together. Shortly after, Brandon Bell told me that his brother, Brian Bell, and someone else went to meet Kendrick Johnson in the weight room of the gym. 
During the altercation, Brandon Bell said that his brother, Brian, struck Kendrick Johnson in the neck or head with a weight and Kendrick fell. That's funny. Technology. It's like so great yet so limiting sometimes. My first call was to Hannah and just to remind you, Hannah was best friends with Taylor Aiken back in 2013 when the incident happened with KJ. And Taylor, for all of those who are watching, probably already know that was Brian Bell's girlfriend or somebody he was kind of seeing around the time that KJ was last seen. I wanted to reach out to Hannah because she's been such an asset to this case and we had really kind of started to build a friendship. So I also then contacted Debbie, my investigator, because after getting these test results, we really had some marching orders in place, so we needed to discuss next steps. I continued to talk more with Hannah, Taylor Aiken's old best friend, and my investigator, Debbie, about what these results mean and what this means moving forward for us. Thanks for coming on now with the news that Ryan Anthony passed with flying colors. Yeah, this is quite a shock, but yeah. uh, <laughs> as I said, it opened a whole new can of worms now. This is, it's almost maddening. I totally thought that was gonna come back as a lie. Yeah, well, I, I think everybody probably did just with his like history and the story and his credential. I mean, he just, you know what I mean? It just didn't seem even possible that he was telling the truth, but. Yeah, and then like, I can't even quite comprehend what that might mean. I was in North Carolina in a hotel when these test results came in. So the first two people I sat and talked with were Michael Howard, who's a really good friend of mine, and Kate, who's one of my main crew members who helps out on the show. And here's what they had to say when I delivered the news. He clearly passed. So now what? I sat in silence for a moment as I pondered her question. I have, I have, I have I literally have no idea. I have no fucking idea. I mean, I think if anything, this is what shows you of why things aren't admissible. I mean, because polygraphs, it's like almost like it's a medical test. It's a medical range of what they do. That's why it's not scientific enough for them to say this is clear evidence of something because yes, say this was, okay, absolutely what happened, all that. It doesn't explain and fix and change everything else. Right. And so it's not, it's not like it does change everything. Whether someone believes something, whether they heard something, whether someone lied to them and they know this or whatever, it doesn't change everything else you already know and has been proven in other ways because of this one aspect, you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I believe the lie detector test, though. I mean, I believe it. Yeah. That's my problem. I don't doubt it. And especially how the guy described, if he had described him as being squirmy and could tell he was mm -hmm. pie yeah. or... He seemed like super chill. Super chill, super nice guy. So I don't know. That's the only thing. I mean, I, I, I can look at it that way, certainly, but it's I believe that he's telling the truth now. And the fact that he showed up to it and did it, and yeah, I just... He's not presenting as someone who's lying. And he was confident that he would pass. And then he did. So, so it's like... We didn't even think he was going to show. I totally thought he was playing me the whole time. And he never was, though. He responded to everything. Those aren't the actions of somebody who's a liar to me. And he was actually really... He seemed really hurt. 
that yeah. I called him a liar. He seemed hurt by it. Not really angry, but more just like, that wasn't fair of you. That's how I felt like he was like, you're not being fair to me. But that's the thing is, but telling the truth, does that change anything else that you've proven otherwise in other ways? Well, so again, if he heard something that... Yes, but he heard it from the guy. Yeah. So it's not like he heard it from a second party. Certainly, yeah. then I'd be like, okay, yeah, maybe you heard that. I don't know. I mean, he heard it from the guy's mouth, though, so that's yeah. the only concern. If it had been hearsay, I would have been like, okay, he's telling the truth, but like now we need to test that guy to see if he's lying. If it's Brandon Bell, though, who tells him. Yeah. Yeah. That's my only problem. So, I mean, that's the hard part, is why would Brandon have said that if it wasn't true? I just need to be really clear here because I'm really struggling with these results. I think we had clearly proved that Brandon Bell was nowhere on campus after noon that day. So I think that's one of the reasons that this is really hard for me to kind of wrap my head around. His alibi definitely seems ironclad to me. So although I do believe that there's a very high potential that the lie detector results are valid, I kind of have to take a step back here and reevaluate what we've done because this really kind of adds a weird element to this case that we have to take a look at honestly. Currently, I stand by the evidence that we've uncovered with the surveillance experiments and also eyewitness testimonies. It's a lot harder for me to take into evidentiary value a statement that's made by someone because they say somebody else made that statement. Obviously, in this case, the person who originally would have made that statement is Brandon Bell, so it makes it extremely compelling. Because of this, I'm going to reevaluate Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez's statement to just make sure we didn't miss anything and to make sure that what he said in that statement that we're looking at the words accurately and understanding what they mean and what he's saying. Another thing that's going to become really important to this case is the surveillance tape. Because if we can also line up the surveillance tape and it's equal to what CNN and Valdosta Daily Online Brandon Powers said about the surveillance footage, and that also adds up on our end, I think that's going to go a long way in either saying if this was an accident or murder. But the one thing I can tell you, no matter what happens here, I will report on this honestly. If I think that there's something weird with the surveillance tape, I'll say it. Currently, we haven't found anything strange, but we're not done going through it. And I can tell you, we have a long ways to go still. So once I'm able to get through that, I think that's going to tell us a lot. And we do have to also look at Ryan Anthony's statement now to see if there's anything we missed that's in that statement. Currently, however, I still have no reason to believe that the Bells are not innocent from the evidence that we've uncovered. With this lie detector results, I need to reevaluate that for a moment, and I can promise you I'm gonna do that honestly. First of all, I'd like to apologize to Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez. I say hats off to him for coming in and doing a lie detector test in the face of me calling him a liar. I have a lot of respect for the fact that he stood up for himself and came and proved his truth. Ryan has declined to do an official interview, but he has been texting back and forth with me, which I really appreciate because honestly, I think it's more than I would have done for me in this circumstance. So thank you, Ryan, and my sincerest apologies for calling you a liar. I discussed the test results further with Hannah, who used to be Taylor Aiken's best friend. Were you able to sit down with him at all, like in person? No, he did text. It's kind of a bummer, but I get why. I mean, I did call him a liar. You know, I hope he can see trustworthy-wise that we're going to show this honestly. Maybe once he sees this episode, maybe he'll be more comfortable. And I mean, he has 
been willing to text with me since then. He has responded to everything I've texted, which I'll obviously share with the audience, but I want to sit down and do an interview. I don't need him to remember every detail of every second, but I would just like to sit and talk to him and ask questions about certain things because I want to understand this better, not because I don't believe him. I just want to understand all the circumstances that surrounded this just to see if there's anything I'm missing. I mean, not only did we drag him through the mud a little, but then he has been dragged through the mud by other individuals. So I feel like he's probably a little gun shy. So hopefully he comes around. I don't like pressuring people. And I've asked him a couple times since the lie detector test, and I I feel like that's kind of all I can do and then share the responses via text. That's about it though. I I felt that there might've been a connection between him and the Johnsons, especially after we found the footage of Connie, but I, I do feel like I believe him even though it seems like almost too much of a coincidence. It just might be in this case. Valdosta is such a small town, and even parts of Florida when people from Valdosta go. And honestly, as much as the Bells have potentially tried to separate themselves from the type of people, I'm not surprised that the Bell brothers know sketchy people. They did drugs, so and they partied. So I'm not surprised if that kind of blended a little bit in that world, like the party world. Well, I haven't seen Brandon in probably seven years, but I don't think Brian anymore because I think last time I heard he is trying to get into like law enforcement, but in high school they did. This case has so many coincidences, it can really make your head spin. After we had found Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez's connection to Connie Edwards, and then we found out Connie Edwards was related to the Johnsons, it seemed virtually impossible that Ryan Anthony didn't realize Connie Edwards was part of the Johnson family. But now I'm much more inclined to believe him that he might not have been aware that Connie Edwards was connected to the Johnsons the way that she was. And what's nice is I was able to ask him about this in a text and here's what he said. Have you ever spoken to the Johnsons? Meaning like Jackie, Kenyatta, Kenneth, Lydia? The mom or dad? No, I've answered messages on Instagram from people who have said they are cousins. That was in the past three years. Interesting. I'm guessing they probably reach out in support of you speaking out? Yes. Some say I'm a liar, but as I've told you, I know who I am. And in another message, Ryan said the following. To answer some of your questions, no, I didn't know Connie knew the Edwards or was related to anyone. We never talked about that. Another item I had wanted to ask Ryan Anthony about was something I had heard in the rumor mill, and that's that he was arrested for giving this statement about Brandon Bell. When I looked up what had happened, there did appear to be another crime that was committed, and that seemed to actually be the reason he was arrested. So I just wanted to ask him about this to see if that arrest was legit. And he had confirmed that he was arrested for this other activity and not for the statement given about Brandon Bell. That actually seemed like a rumor I was able to prove quite quickly. Not that Ryan Anthony was saying that. Obviously, I'm not saying he was lying about that. That's just what I had read online. So Ryan also confirmed that he was arrested for this other reason and not for the statement about Brandon Bell. But then I wanted to take this one step further. So I asked him if anything felt weird that happened with that arrest. Like, did he feel like he was being played with or kept in jail longer or being punished more significantly because of the statement that had come out about Brandon Bell? So I just asked him if he felt like he was treated differently or poorly because of the fact that he made that statement, not just the fact that he was arrested for this other reason. And here's what he said. 
I'm not going to bring up any of your criminal past either. I know that's in the past, and plus I don't believe it plays into this case. But did you ever feel like you were being arrested because of your false confession, according to Lyons County? Or did it always seem over those other activities? Eh, I did the things I did, but I will tell you, I never had a bond the whole time I was in Lyons County. Never had a bond hearing, which is illegal. I filed a habeas corpus, which then got me in front of a judge after 13 months. What the fuck? Yes, so I asked for a bond hearing after 15 months. I got released like seven days later. So they must afford you reasonable bond. Now they could have said I was a flight risk or a security risk, but I was a resident of Georgia for three years, had an address, all of that. So I don't know whether they just have a crappy justice system, but I can tell you someone leaked the affidavit out of the clerk of courts and someone could have lost my paperwork also. So I asked an officer who had once been connected to Lowndes County what the rules are regarding bond and if someone wouldn't be given bond for 15 months, why would that have happened? And why would that have happened to Ryan Anthony specifically? And he said that there's a couple reasons they can hold somebody, whether they're a flight risk or they're a harm to themselves or others. He also said that if it's a misdemeanor, the bond is almost awarded immediately, but if it's a felony, someone could be held for longer. So I guess my only thing that's a surprise here is why was Ryan Anthony held for 15 months? I don't know if the crime he was arrested for deserved a 15 month waiting for a bond period. That seemed really strange to me and didn't quite sit right, but I don't know a lot about this part of the legal system. So please, if you have information on if that seems weird or not, I would love to hear more. But that's what I know up to this point. So because something wasn't sitting right about this, I contacted my investigator, Debbie, and I wanted her to look up Ryan Anthony's arrest record just to make sure everything lined up with what we were talking about. And then in the meantime, I also asked her to look up Brandon Bell and Brian Bell's criminal past so we could kind of take a look at that and see if there's any patterns or anything that we might have missed when we've been going through the evidence here. Could you think of any reason why Brandon might have lied? My impression of the two Bell brothers is they're kind of, you know, yin and yang kind of deal mm. because I think Brandon is a little more of a rebel, um, a little more bad boy than what Brian was or is. And I think he has struggled a lot after this whole situation. Brian seems to not care, you know, I'm getting married, I got, I'm going on with my life, yeah. where the pattern I see with Brandon is moves around a lot, uh, seems to be very unsettled. I think if he lied, allegedly, we don't know at this point, right. he's torn probably because, the, you know, the loyalty to his brother and family. Yeah and maybe doing the right thing. I think he's torn, you know, conscious-wise in between. What's kind of amazing here is when talking to Hannah, I was really surprised at how her words mimicked what my investigator was saying. And the interesting thing is my investigators don't know the Bells personally, and she was able to glean the same information that Hannah was saying, who at times in her life, she did have a personal relationship with Brian Bell through Taylor. Brandon was just more abrasive and everything. So when he was doing something, it wasn't really a secret. Brian was more calculated, I guess you could say. I don't know how well that you knew Brandon, so maybe this is outside of your scope, but do you feel like he might have ever been someone who would say a story like that and not be truthful? I don't know. I mean, I feel I'm conflicted there because I didn't. I really didn't know him well at all. Like, Brian will know who I am if you say my name, but. 
Brandon, I don't even know if he would, but the most I ever interacted with him was when we were at the same parties and that wasn't super often, but a few times. And he just, to me, always kind of came off as super prideful and really like, look at me and kind of aggressive, but I feel like he liked the attention, so would say whatever he could to get that, but I don't know if he would say something like that. I don't know if the cost benefit of that that kind of lie would be worth it for just the attention of a drug dealer. You know, I'm so conflicted there. And I also didn't know him that well, super well, but yeah. he did like to boast, it seemed like, but I don't know if he would say something that wild, you know, for the the little payoff that a, five minutes of attention would get him. It's something that they, for years, have been trying to disprove. So then to like undo all of that for a single minute of attention seems outrageous to me. Like, it seems not worth it. I don't feel like he would lie about that, but then why would he choose then to come, like to talk about it and that person, you know, I don't know. It's just so random. But he, his mindset could have been, well, this guy's a nobody in his eyes or whatever, and it won't go anywhere, or, you know, some, some sort of... Because I, I believe know. Ryan Anthony at this point that he heard it. Although I also believe very deeply that Kendrick Johnson died of an accident. So this is where I'm coming to the fact that I have to relook at some of the stuff because... Now either I have to believe that Brandon told that as a lie, which is really hard to get my head around, and I, or I have to believe that he told it because it was true. Also, almost impossible to get my head around. But when we started re-looking at Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez's statement, there was a couple things that stood out, and I think one of them was he doesn't implicate himself. He only implicates Brian and then other people, but he doesn't. he's not talking about himself being involved. He's saying almost that's what they did, which I thought was interesting because I always combined Brian and Brandon as if they had committed the crime together. And when Brandon's alibi is that ironclad, I don't believe for one second Brandon was at school that day after noon or 1230. And everything clearly shows he was at that wrestling tournament and that he stayed the night in the hotel. So it's just like, there's that's not even possible. Or even for him to have helped cover it up. I mean, he could have obviously by saying things differently later, but he couldn't even have been there for the cover up. I mean, that's what's crazy. That's what I'm struggling with the most is like how to reconcile that. So now it's just really a matter of making sure that surveillance tape adds up. If we see Kendrick Johnson and that only leaves three to six minutes before the cameras are back on, that's all that time that is left for. So now I just have to make sure that that footage, that last footage of KJ is actually at that time. But both CNN and a guy named Brandon Powers with the Valdosta Daily seem to figure it out. And there's, their assessments seem pretty equal. There's a few minutes difference, but they're pretty close and they both kind of say the same thing. So I'm curious what ours showcase anything differently because now I feel like I have to look at that just to make sure that somehow a clip wasn't moved or somehow a new time code wasn't added to it or I feel like I have to look at it from that point of view now. Yeah. So really now as I round out this episode I kind of sit here quite confused because I have to look at either the lie detector results aren't accurate but I believe that we put a lot of healthy things in place to make sure we had the most accurate results possible. So that seems really unlikely that they're not accurate to me. But the other two options are that Brandon Bell lied to Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez and told him this story, which seems wild to me, 
or that Brandon Bell believes that's what happened to KJ and just told Ryan Anthony this story. So now we really have to look at those three possibilities and find out what's true. And I think the way we're going to be able to do that is by taking a hard look at the surveillance tape and going back and looking at Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez's statement specifically to see if there's any wording that we interpreted wrong and if so, what it means and then what we need to do with that new information. Hang tight with us. We'll have a couple more episodes coming out that We'll go over all those things and the surveillance tape you're definitely not going to want to miss. Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino, Investigator Debbie, Crew, Kate Giordano, Michael Howard, Title Music, Bones, which was performed and written by Eight Graves. To subscribe on the website, ashes to ash tv.com, A S H E S T O A S H TV. If you subscribe, you have access to commercial-free content, early access to episodes, uncut interviews, and discounted merchandise. The Ashes to Ash website was created by Second Melody, secondmelody.com. To follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, go to Ashes to Ash TV. On Facebook at Ashes to Ash True Crime. If you have any tips or information, please contact us at ashland57 at gmail.com. A-S-H. L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. We can keep you anonymous. If you know of any illegal activity regarding this case, please contact your local law enforcement.